Patrick Sandoval looks to get us back to 500. We talk about giving Syndergaard a new deal after only one start. Plus, we give the bullpen the eyeball test. After two series, you're locked on with Mike and John, and this is Locked On Angels. You are Locked On Angels, your daily Los Angeles Angels podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Angels or our personal Twitter at Super Halo Bros. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Locked On Angels. My name is John, and that's my brother, Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother, John. The Frisch Brothers are here with you to celebrate getting back to five. A walk-off win! Yes, yes. We had a two-game series against the Marlins, took both of those games with a win, and of course, Tuesday's game was very exciting because it came down to the wire. We had some umpire calls that did not go our way, and perhaps one that did go our way. Yeah. But let's start at the beginning with Patrick Sandoval and his uh, uh, first inning striking out the side. That was a good way to start the game, huh? He continues the trend of Angel starters actually being pretty dominant. Mm -hmm. The only thing that I don't like is he also continues the trend of Angel starters not getting to the fifth inning, unfortunately. (laughs) Right, right. But that really wasn't necessarily his fault. He did struggle in the second inning, and he walked the bases loaded. And to his credit, he got out of it. I love that bulldog mentality, but it was the air by Joe Adele in right field that actually caused the unearned run to score, and then that added more to the pitch count for Sandy. And so he probably could have made it to the fifth inning if that error hadn't occurred. I was concerned about Joe Adele being in right field. That's something that I wanted to see. However, I knew it was a day game. So I was like, oh, great. Joe's got to battle the sun out there and he might make a mistake. Little did I know it was going to be the grass that would do him in and not looking (laughs) the ball into his glove and and trying to make the play before he actually had the ball in the glove. That was... uh, Uh, I guess you could say a rookie mistake. (laughs) A rookie mistake. You know, we talked last episode about is Joe Adele going to be okay? And you said, hey, you know, we're just five games in. Now we're six games in. And I had a thought. Do you think that Joe Adele filling in at the last moment for Mike Trout was actually beneficial to him? And then actually starting in last night's game and knowing he was going to start might have gotten into his head. Do you think that there maybe is a connection there? That was brought up by one of our listeners on Twitter, actually, who replied to (laughs) us uh, when we posted yesterday's episode. Cody A, at A underscore C-O-D-Y-Y-Y, long Cody, Cody, Uh, (laughs) he had the same exact thought, wondering if Joe Adele coming in at the last minute was a different mindset for him, and I think it was. I think that you don't stew on the game all day long. I don't think that you think about the mistakes that you've made or the hitting mistakes that you've made this past weekend, and I don't know if today was an indication of knowing that he was going to be in the lineup and starting, and and he was kind of right back to where he was. He did put the barrel on the ball. It was a fly out, uh, but he just didn't have the success that he had on Monday night, so I think that's something to do with it. I think at this point, for Joe, obviously, he's gifted. He's talented. He's an athletic person. I think it's all mental. I think that this is entirely a mental game for him. Now, to his credit, the entire lineup struggled against the Marlins starter. That guy. Jesus Lazardo, man. We got him out of the he's out of the AOS, fortunately. (laughs) He is he's strong and and you know, those shadows during the mid afternoon game Mm -hmm. at Angel Stadium 
are always so difficult for the fans. I've been there and you've been there for those games. It's always so difficult for the fans, but even more difficult for the hitters because you've got shadow and then you've got light and the ball's coming at you. And so anytime they have a game that's around the time that they had the game yesterday, I'm not a fan because it really takes away from the offense and they really seem to struggle. And as we get into the middle of summer and we have those 630 starts, those shadows and that sunlight kind of lingers around that time as well. So we'll start to see that at start time here pretty soon coming up in probably June and July. So that's something to watch out for. Now, speaking of the hitters, this lineup still has not been able to turn it on. No. Rendon got a home run, which was great. That was huge. And and then the walk-off was just an infield single, really. Wade really was the reason why yeah. we got that <laughs> run. Nope. Nobody else is getting home on that one. <laughs> no, he is so quick. And and we I think we got a favorable call when he slid into second base yeah. and was called safe. But this lineup just seems to be a little off and maybe even top-heavy. Like that one, two, three of Otani, Trout, and Rendon has not really come through. And I know Otani's going to turn it on soon. We're hopeful that he's going to turn it on soon. But it feels a bit top-heavy. What do you think? It's funny because we just covered the one, two, three of Otani, Trout, and Rendon, (laughs) and how their historical OPS compares to some of the best one, two, threes in history. I jinxed them. (laughs) But but history is history, my friend. You can't look at that sort of stuff and, and, and projections are kind of the same way in the opposite direction. You just never know what, how it's going to go. And again, it's still early that in the middle of summer might be an intimidating one, two, three, but right now they just haven't seemed to be able to put it all together. So I think it's important for us to look at the fact that, there are probably still some options here that the Angels and Joe Madden can make in terms of the lineup and to, I don't know, spread the wealth a little bit throughout the lineup so that it's not as top-heavy. Because I agree, even if you go down to four and you have Jared Walsh there, and then somehow Jack Mayfield, who has turned into a cleanup hitter because he's hitting (laughs) hitting, hitting them far and hitting them out, you know, I, I think that we might share the strength and the wealth and distribute that a little bit better. If you had to construct a lineup that wasn't so top-heavy, what would you do to kind of spread out the the success throughout the one through nine? To share the wealth? Yes, <laughs> share the, the wealth. Of the top of the lineup? Well, I, let me let me share this. Try this on for size. Okay. What if, what if Mike Trout let off? Hmm. Because Mike isn't necessarily struggling, and he's going to get on base, and he's quick, and you want to give him an opportunity to bat as many times in a game <laughs> You're as giving possible. him the Justin Upton treatment? Is that what you're saying? Uh, <laughs> Are we there? No, no. <laughs> I'm not giving him the Justin Upton treatment. I'm a Mike Trout homer, all right? So I, I think maybe Trout leading off, and then what about Duffy batting second? Okay. Matt Duffy just came off a 14-game hitting streak that <laughs> included last last year, And Duffy just comes through when you need him to. And he got a hit in last night's game, and then he was called out on a a strike three swing, but he did not swing. Hashtag Duffy didn't swing. And then I like him second, and then Otani batting third. Okay. I think that that gives Otani an opportunity to knock in some runs. I think I follow up Otani with a Walsh and a Rendon, and I think that those two can be interchangeable. And then I would go with Marsh... Stassi, and then Adele or Ward when Ward gets back, and then Fletch at the end of the lineup. 
So that's how my lineup would look. I think that that balances it out just a bit more. You spread the wealth just a bit more, and perhaps this will help the offense get kickstarted because we're going to talk about this in our next episode, but we're going to need some offense against the Rangers because the Rangers are going to bring the offense, and we're going to need to at least score some runs in that game. So that's my idea for the lineup. What do you think? I, I, well, okay. I like some of the ideas that you have. I like that Duffy is in the two hole there because he's been a proven hitter. I, uh, to see trout lead off. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's a tough call for me. Uh, can I give you mine? Yeah. Give me yours. Okay. I think that we need to get back to what we were doing last season and kind of what we anticipated might happen. And I think that that is Brandon Marsh leading off. Okay. I think that he is a smart leadoff guy, and I think that he, you can count on him to get the hit or at least take the walk. He's got uh, better plate discipline than some of the other guys. I don't know why you would mess with success, and success was Shohei Otani batting second hmm. throughout all last year. Okay. You don't mess with that because he was doing that even before we lost Trout and yeah. before we lost Rendon. Yeah. And look what happened. <laughs> So I don't think it's wise to mess with success. So I think I would have Marsh, Otani. Trout has always been a solid third hitter. Okay. I think Rendon behind him would be a great choice. I think that if you can get perhaps a Joe Adele or maybe a Matt Duffy in the fifth spot, you could have them be followed up by a Jared Walsh who can hit a home run. And then you might have a Joe Adele, Taylor Ward, Max Stassi, and then Fletch kind of rounding out the bottom of that lineup. But but in my scenario, what I would want to accomplish is, yes, you do want your best hitters toward the top, but I also think that you want to distribute the guys that can drive in runs a little bit better. And I think Walsh is one of those guys. I think Stassi is one of those guys because even if he pops out, it's a long fly ball out. So if somebody is in position to score, he can drive them in. So I would like to see a little bit more of a on-base guy, on-base guy, power, on-base guy, on-base guy, power, that sort of uh, situation and lineup happening. So do you think Otani's struggles might be that he is thinking about being a leadoff hitter instead of a number two or a number three hitter? Do you think that maybe this is a mental game for him? I mean, I know that he got walked a ton, but that was because there was no protection behind him. Otani, to me, is not an on-base guy, right? Like he, I mean, he hits doubles and singles, but he's got power now. And perhaps that changed when he came back and started doing both last season. But I think that if you can get somebody on in front of him and you want him to get a two-run home run as opposed to a solo shot. And again, I just don't think that you mess with success. And I think you're right. There's kind of a mental game there of when you're the leadoff guy, your job is to get on base. And he just doesn't have the, the discipline, especially in these first six games, to take the walk or take the, the single rather than kind of swinging for the fences. I think if you spread them out a little bit, you can balance the lineup. And I think a balanced lineup is what we're going to need because our next two series are against the Rangers and against the Astros. And our pitching staff is crushing it. And we need to support them. Hey, coming up on Locked on Angels, would it be reasonable or ridiculous 
to start negotiations with Noah Syndergaard on a long-term deal after only one start? We're going to chat about that. Before we get to that conversation, I want to take a minute to talk about Built Bar. Now that we are officially the hosts of Locked on Angels, I can't wait to try a Built Bar. I've been hearing about it for years, and it's time for me to try out their low-calorie, high-protein bar. Good for replacing candy bars. You know me, I'm a sucker for a candy bar. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories, but most Built Bars contain only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and get this, 17 grams of protein. So you're not gonna go empty, you're gonna feel full, you're gonna feel satisfied. Plus, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. At Built Bar, they're all about taste, they make it taste delicious first, and then figure out how to make it healthy. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Get yourself a Built Bar today. Thanks for making Locked On Angels your first listen of the day. And this show is brought to you by Locked On MLB Prospects. Host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. He goes deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow, and it's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, we've got two series in the bag. We went one and three against Houston, but we picked up two wins against the Miami Marlins. Yep. Making us 500 for the first time this season. That's exciting. <laughs> the I like first that. Of, the first of many times. No, I'm just kidding. Hopefully I hope not. not. <laughs> Put some wins that's together. What, that's what we're used to, yeah. uh, given the past few years. But after two series, we need to take a look at the bullpen. Now, as fans, and purely looking at the bullpen through the eye test, we're examining what we have seen so far. Let's take a look at how this bullpen has put it together. Why don't we start with Aaron Loop? What do you think about him? I am so confident in Aaron Loop when he comes in. Mm-hmm. And I have not felt that outside of Rysele Iglesias with the Angels bullpen in years. Definitely. And so when Loop came in in the game that I actually was attending, and that was last Saturday, I was confident that he was going to get out of that inning. And, and this guy is phenomenal. He's remarkable. And you knew that he was going to be good because his stats from last year were really good. But he has come in and he has dominated. And there is a confidence in me when he comes in. And so he passes the eyeball test. I say that he is a shut down bullpen piece. What about Ryan Tapera for you? Ryan Tapera, I liked that he recovered from that Houston outing. Yes. And from all indication, it seems like when he was tipping his pitches, that was what was his Achilles heel in that they were able to hit two home runs off of him because they knew what was coming. Surprise, surprise, the Astros knew what was coming. But (laughs) that's neither here nor there. Uh, No, when he's tipping his pitches, obviously he's indicating what he's going to throw to the hitter. That gets communicated to the hitter somehow. And so that's why he got hit around in his first outing. And since then, he has been phenomenal. I think he even pitched to 14 pitches on Monday night and took down the Marlins in the later innings. So that was great to see. I think that he's recovered from that bad outing, and I'm ready for more from Ryan Tapera. Tell me about Archie Bradley. Archie Bradley is still undefined, I think, for us so far, because he 
has really not done much. He's averaged one run per inning, mm-hmm. and I think that he's got to get some more innings under his belt. Now, he brings great energy, and he brings great love for the Angels, which right. is something that we love, and I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to turn out great, and we're going to be excited about him being on the team. I think it's still early to really define who he is. So when it comes to the eyeball test, I'm going to give him a C because he's kind of middle of the road right now because I don't think that we've seen the best of Archie Bradley just yet. What about Rysel Iglesias? What's there to say about Rysel Iglesias? The guy is dominant when he comes in to close a game or hold a game, and he did that on Tuesday. It was a 3-3 tie. Joe Madden went to him at the top of the ninth. He held it to that tie, and then we were able to walk it off on Tuesday. Now, I do have to say, the running joke with Rysel Iglesias is that he's not very good in non-save situations. Right. And that was the case on Monday night when he gave up a solo shot and it ended up being six to two. However, if he's going to give up these solo shots, at least it was in a situation like that and not a game where it actually counted. So as far as I can tell, Rysel is continuing to do what he does best. That's striking out guys, getting them to pop up. He has been phenomenal. I am just thankful that we signed him because I have all the confidence in the world in that guy when he comes in. It's similar to Aaron Loop when he comes in. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just confident that they're going to be able to get three outs. And what I do like about Rysel is that most of his runs that he gives up is typically in those moments that you just described. Mm-hmm. He is so shut down when it comes to actually saving the game. And last night's game was an example of that. Even though it was three to three, he came in and he struck out the first two batters and looked unhittable. Absolutely. Okay, if we look at the rest of the bullpen so far, we've got Austin Warren, Oliver Ortega, Jaime Berea, Jimmy Herget, Mike Myers, and then, of course, Jose Quijada was in the bullpen, but he was put on the IL. So let's start out with Austin Warren. What does your eye test say about him? He still looks like a confident pitcher. He doesn't mm-hmm. look like somebody who just started pitching last year in the major leagues. Right. <laughs> and so there is a uh, there is a confidence that I have when he comes into the game. And he's off and to he, a great he start. He didn't even look like that last year either. No. <laughs> he looked like he'd been there forever. He has the ability to come in and be like Tom Brady, right? He, he just looks like he is calm, <laughs> cool, and collected. And then in last night's game, Oliver Ortega came in and actually looked pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I felt like he was having a hard time locating his pitches and... You had Anthony Rendon make a spectacular play behind him to get that double play. Sure, sure. Uh, and so he was really helped out by the infield. I think that these guys just need to trust their infield a little bit more. That's my eye test. Sure. I, I saw him as working through the struggles and figuring it out. That's mm-hmm. what I saw in that young guy. So That's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. Do we have to talk about Jaime Berea? I feel bad for Jaime Berea because I, I think he was, he was thrust <laughs> into a situation on Friday, the Apple TV Plus cursed game. Uh, he was thrust <laughs> into a situation that was just kind of unwinnable. I know that he came in to just get the line moving and get through a couple of innings. Jaime Berea is the kind of guy that can see a lineup maybe once and maybe just six of the nine in that yeah. lineup yeah. because I think he gets figured out after that, which makes him a great long reliever, I just think that the Astros 
had all cylinders firing on Friday, so he was the victim of that. We know that he can be a successful pitcher. We've seen that in the past. Yeah. That's going to be an interesting case moving forward is seeing how Jaime Berea factors into the bullpen, especially in long relief. I assume that he won't come in in very many winning situations. It's going to be those close games or perhaps we're down by two and we need to keep it close. Yeah. What do you think? He feels like a cleanup guy. He feels like, uh, hey, we just <laughs> clean need up somebody to, right? <laughs> we need somebody to eat up the innings. You know who else feels that way is Jimmy Herget. He He's that guy that I feel like yeah. comes in and has to clean up the mess. And you know who makes the mess? It seems like lately it's been Mike Myers. <laughs> he just well, he doesn't is, have he that. He is a psycho killer and he probably does make a mess. <laughs> oh, not that Mike Myers. Sorry. No, not that Sorry. one. It just doesn't seem like he's his 2020 self. Like that that season, he was so good. Or even his late 2021 self, because yeah. he put it together uh, about halfway through the season and made some adjustments, and it doesn't seem like he's carried that with him into the season, even in spring training, that he hadn't looked very good. Yeah, I wonder what it is with him. I, I'm, I'm not really sure. You mentioned Quejada, he's hurt. He can throw some gas, but... Again, it's it's one of those things as you see the eye test. I haven't seen him really dominant this year. He had spurts of being dominant last year, but I also mm-hmm. think that he's not going to be in some of those high leverage situations unless we've overused our bullpen. I, I actually heard Bobby V say this on the broadcast last night, and I want to get your thoughts. So the bullpen needs to get to at least 30 wins for the Halos to win 90 games. That was his contention. And so my question to you is this. So if this group needs to get to 30 wins, is this the group to do it? I think so. I think that Joe Madden has to be smart. I don't think that you bring in Mike Myers into the 3-1 situation that he did on Tuesday. I think you go to Archie Bradley. I know that we haven't seen a lot of him, and he's still a little bit unproven as far as his Angels career. But if you look at Mike Myers and how he's been performing in the last few games, and this, again, extends into spring training, I don't know why you bring Myers in with that lead, that 3-1 lead, and let that happen. You had so many other options. I th- I'd say you go to Bradley and then Jimmy Herget because Herget, he's a funky arm guy, but he's got a killer slider and yeah. he had the Marlins off their game throughout his entire appearance. So I, I just think that if we want to succeed with this bullpen, the pitchers are more than capable of succeeding. I think it comes down to how is Joe Madden going to manage this bullpen and manage their usage moving forward. You know how in the housing market, when you're buying a house, like your agent doesn't let you talk to the homeowner? Because I never they, bought a house, so. Well, <laughs> well when you buy a house, you're yes, not going to be able me. to talk to the homeowner. Your agent does like the interactions with the homeowner. And a part of that is because they don't want the homeowner to have like a soft heart and maybe like lower the price mm, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. I think maybe for Joe Madden, it's similar with the bullpen. I think he's got a soft heart for some of these guys and he wants to just give them one more shot. And I think he's just <laughs> got to be, he's got to be lean and mean. He's got to be rude and crude. I think he's got to just make those tough decisions and be like, I'm not bringing you in until you prove yourself. And it feels kind of heartless, but I think that that's going to help the angels win some games down the road. All right, Jonathan, last segment. Here's the question. Hit me. Would it be reasonable or ridiculous to begin negotiations with Noah Syndergaard on a long-term deal based off of his one quality start? (laughs) The question in and of itself is, 
Yes, it's ridiculous. But <laughs> I will say that Perry Manassian and the team should already be negotiating or at least putting together the plan for negotiating with Noah Syndergaard because he's somebody that you want to keep around. He's somebody that you want on your team moving forward. I know that health is going to be a factor. I know that how he continues throughout this season is going to be a factor. So that is why the question in and of itself is ridiculous. But (laughs) based on that one outing, if that's the guy that we get moving forward, if that's the guy that Noah Syndergaard is now post Tommy John surgery, then I think that you've got a proven starter. I think that you've got somebody that you want to keep around and be in that rotation next season. What about you? I 100% agree. I would I would start negotiations immediately. Now, let's talk about what kind of deal and the years and the money. Okay. Now, keep in mind that Upton is off the books next year, yes. so that's $28 yes. million that is freed up, and they can obviously use it in all sorts of different ways. And keep in mind that they might get into negotiating with Shohei Otani next season as well. That's true. That's very true. So here's some comps just to give you kind of a frame of reference and help you to kind of determine what kind of year and what kind of I like deal. comps. All right. Let's do so it. Here's, here's some comps. Kevin Gossman with the Giants signed a five-year, $110 million deal. That's $22 million a year. Okay. Robbie Ray was signed by the Mariners, five years, one fifteen. $23 million a year. He's got an opt-out after year three. Mm-hmm. And then there's Max Scherzer's incredibly ridiculous contract. Three years, $130 million. Whew. That's $43 million a year. Yama, so those are, some, those are some comps that maybe can help you shape what kind of deal you would give Noah Syndergaard. So using those comps, where would you land? What would you offer him? I think that he's going to land somewhere between the Robbie Ray and the... Kevin Gossman kind of deal. Okay. I know that those are both for five years, but I would say, man, I would say at least a three-year deal. Sure. Right? Sure. I think that if you give him a three-year deal, because you know that somebody out there is going to want to sign him to a, a seven-year deal or something yeah. crazy. Yeah. And I'm sure that a guy like Noah Syndergaard would like to have options. I also think that giving him an opportunity in Anaheim, he liked the plan that Perry presented him incoming to Anaheim, and I also think that that will factor into him wanting to stay. And then, of course, after that, it comes down to numbers and years. So I would give him somewhere between three and five years. Okay. I, I think I would go uh, maybe mid-20s, because I know yeah. he's at $21 million right now, and I think I'd go mid-20s. I think you've got to give him a bit of a raise. I think if you offer him five years at 23 to $25 million a year, I think he signs that immediately because of the things that you've just pointed out. Being in Anaheim and liking it here, but also having a, a great relationship with Perry and liking the vision of where the Angels are going. So mm-hmm. I think you've got to give him a five-year deal. And I would start negotiating that now. And I know it's a risk because he's got a lot of injury history, but I think he's a guy who is going to recover well. And if we don't sign him, I think that we're going to have a lot of regret because yeah. he's going to go crush it somewhere else. Let me let me tell you some of the free agent pitchers that are available next season, and you just give me uh, uh, Noah or them. Okay, okay. <laughs> if you would take them, great. Okay, twenty twenty three free agent pitchers: Joe Musgrove of the San Diego Padres. I'm going to take Thor. Okay, uh, Nathan Eovaldi. I'm still going with Thor. Kershaw. I'm still sticking with with Noah. Chris Bassett. I'm going to lean in uh, Syndergaard direction. 
Okay. Charlie Morton from the Braves. I'm still sticking with Thor. And Adam Wainwright from the Cardinals. I have a soft place in my heart for Wainwright because he just feels like he can pitch forever and ever and ever. And he always, always comes through. However, I would stick with Thor. Okay, good. I was glad that you said that. Uh, some, some free agents have options here. Uh, so they, are, they could opt out of their current contract. So these guys are available, but they have the options. So Jacob deGrom. Is he healthy? That's the question. Okay. And he's currently not healthy. Okay. If he's not healthy, no. Aaron Nola? No. I don't think either of us would want to deal with Trevor Bauer. No. <laughs> but he, he's an option, right? He is an option. Uh, Move Chris on. Chris Sale? <laughs> no, he's not healthy, and I, I, I just don't think that he would be a great fit for us. At Luis Severino and Sonny Gray? No, I would still go with Thor. <laughs> so in all of those scenarios, you're going with Thor. Yeah. If Jacob deGrom is healthy, I would I would pivot. I would I would shift sure, and, and sure. sign him over Thor. But that would be, I think it would be close. It'd be really close for me. Jacob deGrom's a tough one because you know you're going to spend a lot of money on a starter, but you can't guarantee the health given his track record, yeah. which is a shame. Like everybody is rooting for Jacob deGrom. He's one of the greatest talents of this generation. Right. And, and what he can do on the mound is incredible, but, but that is a risky signing, I think from this year moving forward with, with deGrom. So, all right, we better start negotiating with, with Noah. <laughs> Let me know. I, I'd be happy to be a part of it. <laughs> yes. We, we'll sit down at the table. We'll bring our laptops. We'll, we'll get the, we'll do the coffee run. How about that? Thanks again for making Locked on Angels your first listen every day. Now, make your second listen, Locked on MLB with Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. He brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, past and present. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. It's definitely an informative listen. It's a lot of fun. So hop on over there once we're done here. In the meantime, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can reach us at Locked on Angels, and you can connect with me and Mike personally on Twitter and Instagram at Super Halo Bros. Hey, tomorrow on Locked on Angels, we're going to preview the Angels-Rangers four-game series this weekend, and we're going to share about the stat categories that actually matter and help you know if a player is actually good at what they do. I like that. I'm ready for it. Let's go. Let's do it. As for my brother and I, we thank you for joining us. In the meantime, my name is John, and that's my brother Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. And thank you very much for joining us for this episode. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you right here tomorrow on Locked On Angels.